0: Tonight, the topic is, why do bad things happen? And we didn't just sort of pick that because it's a dark kind of topic and it's Halloween. We're actually been in a series um, going through the Old Testament called Jesus Christ the Prequel, and we're going to be going through the book of Job, which tends to be a difficult and, and often it confuses people a lot about God. I would say... One of the things that makes it very difficult for people, and maybe this has been a challenge for you, is looking at the world and seeing that there are many, many bad things that happen in the world. And not like a little bit bad. Things that are horrific and evil. Um... You know, some of the things, I mean, not only just what we see in terms of storm damage and earthquakes and what we would call natural disasters, but I think it's pretty shocking just reading the news at times, isn't it? And saying, how is it that human beings can be capable of so much destruction and hurt? And it's hard. It's hard to look at that and go, where is God? Why, why is this happening? If God is so big and so powerful and so loving, how does that make sense? And I've definitely, it, there's many philosophies out there about why that happens. One of the things that we hear often is that everything happens for a reason. And so somehow, to get God out of the soup for all of those really terrible things that happen, somehow, the, the message in that of everything happens for a reason is that, yes, it might be bad, but there was some good that came out of it. Have you heard that? Honestly, it makes me pretty angry. What the heck kind of God would, you know, brutally, you know, rape and murder children or things like that? I mean, we're we're talking about hideous things. And you mean to tell me that God had some reason or lesson in that? How can we even think like that? If there is, if that is true about God, if it is true that God did these things and he has some divine, wonderful purpose or lesson for us to learn, if that is true, I'm sorry, I don't want that God. I don't want anything to do with a God like him, if that's the case. And I think that there's a lot of confusion on this topic In particular um, Job is one of the books of the Bible that I that I feel contributes a lot of confusion to this uh, to this way of thinking now I'm not going to be able to you know tonight to go into a super detailed account of what the reasons are for why bad things happen I'm going to try and give some clarity in the book of Job that has contributed to the confusion on this. We actually do spend quite a bit of time on it in a way that I believe makes sense in the Seekers Retreat, so if you're signed up for that, that's good news, because we'll be spending some time kind of walking through this question. The Bible says that in the beginning, Adam and Eve, and we looked at this as we've been going through the Old Testament, God made Adam and Eve perfect and to live in paradise and that his design was that he would have this amazing relationship that he would he created people to have a relationship with to have children to have someone to love and his design was that it was supposed to be paradise. There wasn't supposed to be all the darkness that we see. People were designed to live on forever and not die. And but God gave free will. Without free will and without being able to make choices, you can't love. We're just robots. And so what it says, and, and part of this is putting the pieces together in the New Testament, because is that it says that in the day that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil, God says, in that day, that thou shalt surely die. And then we see... As Adam and Eve were originally made body, soul, and spirit, human beings. They had spirit within that they could communicate directly with God. That what died in that day is the spirit. Because they, they didn't literally die that day. They lived quite a long time beyond that. But also what happened as a result of the the sin and departing from God that we really don't see until the New Testament is it says that the dominion of the earth that was given to Adam and Eve was transferred to Satan? That it, it, it. it there's actually a verse of Scripture if you'd like to write this down because we're not, we're not going to be doing a whole lot of New Testament. It says in Second Corinthians. Um, oh, sorry, no. It's uh, in Luke 4:6 actually, where Satan is tempting Jesus Christ and says that the power and authority of all the world had been given to him. It also says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that Satan is the God of this age that blinds the minds of unbelievers or the God of this world. That right now Satan runs the world. God created it perfectly and gave it to Adam who had free will. When you have something, it is yours to give away. And so in the original sin, that that transferred dominion and now Satan runs the universe. So that's why we see the things in the the world, that we see the perfection of God, we see how beautiful creation is, but then we see all these things that seem like they don't jive. You know, where we see the imperfection of Satan running the show. Now, what's really important when we're looking at the book of Job is that there was... Almost no knowledge of Satan until Jesus Christ came. The entire Old Testament, which is a big volume of the Bible, and you read it, the word Satan is only used four times outside of the book of Job. And the word Satan, it just means accuser. So even as we read the book of Job, there was not clarity at all through the Old Testament about the devil or Satan there was no verses so part of what gets confused is we read all of these things in the New Testament where we understand the devil we understand Satan and we know how that works we see Jesus casting out spirits we talk Jesus talks about the devil all the time doesn't he but here this entire Old Testament the word Satan pretty much doesn't occur except for in the book of Job, and it is as just an accusing spirit. There's no reason to think that they really understand anything more than that. The word devil occurs zero times in the entire Old Testament, and it, co- and it, it occurs 116 times in the New Testament. So, can you get the picture here? We're looking, when we look at the New Testament, we're looking at it thinking that they had the same knowledge that we do of Satan and the devil. They, they did not. When people lost their spiritual connection and had no Holy Spirit, the Bible says that spiritual things can only be spiritually discerned. You can't understand and know and read spiritual things in your five senses. You can only perceive spiritual things with spirit. And as all these people through the whole Old Testament didn't have spirit, they could not understand really what was going on in terms of the spiritual dynamics. And so that's why you see even... Now remember we went through Saul, and Saul was constantly getting possessed. But every time it says Saul got possessed by an evil spirit, it said it was an evil spirit that God gave. Now we know better in the New Testament, God's not giving people evil spirits but it was their limited understanding that all they knew was God as being powerful and so they were confused about what happened uh, you know about what was going on so i think it's really important in terms of taking a look at the book of job that this was the understanding of job now job in again we've been we've been going through the bible kind of as it's placed in the books of the bible but that's not necessarily Chronological, The book of Job from, nobody knows exactly when it was written, but because of different specifics in how they speak about Job, they are assuming that he was, that it sounds very much like he lived during the time of the patriarchs, during Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, during that period of time. Um, you know, so this is, we're talking about 4,000 years ago, if that's true. Uh, 2000 B.C somewhere around there. So w- I want to look at some of the things that Job speaks about and what the point of Job is. I really think there's a, f- a few points in here because Job experiences horrible tragedies in his life, things that would break people and bring them to their knees. I mean, you know, he, he just definitely tasted what it felt like to be at the bottom. Um, But he was. Life started off pretty good at the beginning, and let's start off in Job one, in verse one. Um, in the in the land of Oz. That's not the land of Oz. In the land of Oz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Now, that's so. This is a guy that at the beginning starts off just having it all. Now, we get into this very famous story. Everybody kind of talks about this. In verse 8 where it says um, the Lord said to Satan because it says well actually why don't we read in verse 6 one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them now mind you the word Satan just means accuser at this point or they would understand it to be an accusing spirit also came with them the Lord said to Satan where have you come from Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it (coughs) And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now, already we kind of know that this has to be a figure of speech for many reasons. At this point, Satan had fallen from heaven. He's not like just one of the angels that's kind of hanging out with God, serving God. It talks about in um, that in the fall, where I mean he had already fallen by the time Genesis happened you know he was already a fallen angel when um, he deceived Adam so this doesn't so this is figurative and helps and you'll see that part of this is because of the the understanding of Old Testament people that everything was under God's domain it actually helped them to have faith because of they didn't have spirit to look at it like God was powerful and everything that happened you know was under God's domain and then the Lord said to Satan, "Have you consider? Oh, I already read that. Sorry, did I read that? Oh. Um, and then verse nine. Does uh, Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, "Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread out, spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face." the lord said to satan very well then everything he has in your in your hands but on the man himself do not lay a finger then satan went out from the presence of the lord so so basically what we're talking about it's interesting because l- like i said this is actually the way that people viewed god and how god worked there is a sense there's a hebrew much of the old testament is written in the in, in talking about the dark things that happen with the hebrew idiom of permission which gives God, it it basically gives God credit for everything that happens. Because, in a sense, God being all-powerful and more powerful than Satan, He could, He has the power to, like, it's His choice that He allowed free will. And in that way... God is allowing everything to happen because He has decided to give people free will and free choice. Um, so this is really this is a way of understanding in the way that they really saw things, of saying, and also in terms of, of, it's interesting because the accuser Satan says, "Oh, Job only likes you because everything in his life is good. He wouldn't really care about God." if he didn't have everything good. And what we see in the New Testament is one of the devices, because the Bible says we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, is one of the huge things that Satan does, his whole, everything that he's about is to get us separated from God. Everything Satan's about, even from Genesis, is to try and talk us into the fact that God is not good and not loving and to try and get us apart from God because we have no power Against Satan without God. So you see the ac- you see the accusation, and that's probably uh, you know also in terms of the kind of accusations still Satan lobs at us today. Oh sure, you probably you know only love God when things are going good. You know. So let's go to. Um, Oh, I also want to say too, it's really interesting because one of the things that I was looking at, you know, we think about, you know, the people in the Old Testament, you see incidents where people had incredible faith, which is pretty awesome. But what's unique is because people didn't understand, and, and we're gonna see throughout the book that they're that they really believed, and that there's Job's friends that are called miserable comforters. Have these strong beliefs that if you do good, God blesses you. If something bad happens, it's because you're not good. That people, and, and this is a huge theme throughout, through, throughout the book of Job, where they were, where they were seeing it as, well, if you did, if something bad happens to you, it's because you did something bad. You deserved it. This is God somehow punishing you. And what we're actually going to see in the book of Job is people thought that, but God dispels that as being a lie and not what it's about. We see in the New Testament more clearly, it talks about the fact that it rains on the just and the unjust. Because this is Satan's world, bad things happen to good people. that have nothing, sometimes have nothing to do with the person or what they do and have nothing to do with God. It's just that it's Satan's world. There's somebody... That, told me once it's like a billiard table you know where you you hit the the cue ball and it affects other balls and so that's a lot of times how satan works where satan might directly impact one person or his demons might directly affect one person and then that person hurts another person you've ever heard the saying hurt people hurt people That's often the way that Satan being the ruler and the God of this world works where he's got demons, he's got a third of the angels that fell from heaven that make up the demon world and possess people to do things like the murders and the more heinous things that happen. You know, the Bible speaks about when somebody is out of control, that it's Satan. And so, and that, and it, makes sense when you look at the darker things and, and that demons are behind that so if you've got a demon affecting one person and that person hurts someone and they hurt someone and they hurt someone so in a way that's how people are indirectly affected all over the world that have nothing to do with what they've done wrong now in the new testament we also understand that but also understand that we can go to god and pray and have god deliver us in the Old Testament, people did pray for deliverance, but they were always had the question of whether they deserved it or not, which got in the way of them having faith that God would heal them. If you're not sure, and that's also what we see throughout the book of Job, where he's just confused. He's saying, I didn't do anything, so why is this happening to me? Anyway, um, let's go to... Uh, so. Basically what happens is it gets really bad, and in verse 18, not only does he lose everything that he owns, and in verse 18, a messenger comes, and and it says, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, God, did, uh, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. And one of the things that we do see that's amazing about jo- Job, which is the fact that he never walks away from God, and he doesn't understand it. But he still doesn't leave God. He still continues to seek out God, to worship God, to give God honor and glory, even if he is confused, and take his troubles to God, which can be a hard thing to do. I know for me, in hard times, it's a fight sometimes. You know, because my first reaction is like, why? You ever felt that way? Like, why? Or, Or got mad at God. Or just like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't want to deal with you. Like, if if you were God, why do I even have to go through any of this? You know? We can understand the, the confusion, but it's amazing that through the darkest, darkest times that Job kept getting on his knees and seeking God, and even taking all of his feelings of he was being real with God all the way through, in terms of talking about his frustration, talking about his confusion, and bringing it to God and seeking him out for answers. Then what happens is Satan goes, oh, sure. You know, because so, well, Job is just doing that because you haven't hurt him physically. And so what happens is Satan gives um, Job. It's a sores all over. We don't know exactly what those are, but there's some details later that speak about it uh that says some of the descriptions were that the sores gave him pain night and day that the scabs peeled and were black um and that he smelled i mean it just we don't know what the details of whatever it is the translation in some places calls them boils but really by the description of some of the other places and it it sounds like it's something um, a lot more intense than that but it's from it's all over his his whole body and then we see in um, chapter 2, in verse 11, because a big part of the story here, too, is the response of his friends, because a lot of this book is just that his friends come and, ha- and their way of thinking and how they are with him. In chapter 2, verses o- verse 11, it says, When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar, The Neamanthite heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Now it's really interesting because um. I, I always overlook this piece of it, but this is actually, uh, John Townsend actually was, was talking about this yesterday, uh, uh, or Mon- Monday, um, because he was saying this is the one thing that they did right. You know, this is what it should look like to be there for somebody in pain, where they just got it and they wept and the ashes is a part of the grieving process. And they just, they just wept. And then they also, it says, they just sat there for seven days on the ground with him, not saying a word. You know, too often when we've got friends of ours hurting, you know, we jump to trying to be the fix-it person or the answer, you know, it doesn't feel good. If, if you're at the bottom and you're feeling like you've just been kicked low and beaten down, the last thing you need is, you know what you need to do? Do you know what I'm saying? How good does that feel? not so much does it you know what i'm saying like it's just like go away you just want somebody to just be there with you in the sadness of it to weep with you uh and that's what they did even in the fact that so this is the one good thing it didn't it started off good where they wept it doesn't stay so good though but uh and sat on the ground with him which is also kind of interesting too because they got into the grieving with him in a place that's uncomfortable and just stayed there and didn't leave him that's what you would want a good friend to do Then, of course, the response, which we can understand in Job 3, verse 1, it says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, May the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said, a boy is born. Anybody ever feel like that? You know, when there are times in life that feels like, why was I even born? This is just too hard. I I just regret that this... I just, yeah... We can definitely understand that kind of sorrow. And then what we get is, we get the, we get one of his Eliphaz in uh, all the way through four and seven, and throughout the book of Job, we have these long, long sermons from his friends trying to be helpful. And basically, he says, "It, it all happens for a reason. God must have something in mind here for you in this." And it says. Um, uh, he just goes on and on and on and saying, basically, in verse 17, Blessed is the man whom God corrects, so don't despise the discipline of the Almighty. Now, how would you like to hear that? You know, if your family just died, you lost everything, your you, children are dead, and you are now extru- you know, in so much pain night and day, and, and somebody goes, well, God's got a reason. He's trying to teach you a lesson. Feel good? Yeah. no. And so this just goes on and on and on. It's just pretty hideous. It starts off where they're just kind of hinting around. Now, it's really kind of ridiculous, like, how much, how infuriating this is that people somehow got to put a positive spin on something that's terrible. If it's terrible, it's terrible. Let's just call it what it is and just cry and weep and hold each other instead of trying to put some stupid smiley face on a bunch of crap. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard people say, God must have a reason for the most hideous things that there ever are. Yeah, that baby got brutally murdered. God must have had a reason. You know, just just horrible. Talk about, no wonder they got called miserable comforters. In uh, chapter 6, In verse 1, in all of this, uh, Job says, If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the sea. No wonder my words have been impetuous. So you just see these speeches of Job's where the pain and the anguish were just, uh, you know, you ever felt that way? And then it says, his friends, I want to just, I am just want to hit some stuff that stood out to me as far as some of these speeches, because these are just speeches from Job and his sadness, and then his friends basically are constantly arguing, you must have sinned. If this happened, you did something wrong, God's mad at you, because God's a good God, and he doesn't let anything bad happen to good people, so clearly, you must have sinned. So, they keep trying to prove this and prove this, and in... Chapter 8 and verse 4, this just to me, I can't even imagine. This is, uh, Bildad says to him, when your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. His children have died. And their friend is saying, your s- kids must have sinned, Jonah. And they got what they had. Can you imagine? Like... Jeez, most of the story, believe it or not, <laughs> we're gonna see. It's just sort of like you really see the repeat of the confusion about why the bad things happen, and saying and not being able to reconcile it. So what they're doing is saying it's Job's fault that this happens. Now, there are thing bad things that happen because of what we do. There are consequences, but that in no way explains everything bad that happens in life. There are many bad things that have nothing to do with whether we were good or bad or any of that. or righteous or unrighteous. Job, it says, you know, he says oftentimes that he's not perfect, but it, it goes on and on about this is a guy that was committed to doing the will of God. He goes through long, detailed descriptions of of how he has really kept his life in check to be obedient to what God says, you know. And so he's saying, I don't know, because they keep saying, you must have sinned. What have you done? What have you done? And they can't find anything. They just are assuming that it must be true, their whole basis for him, it being his fault, is because bad things are happening. So it's kind of interesting in Job 9, it says that he wishes for a mediator, which is kind of cool, between him and God, which is Jesus. (laughs) And then another, you know, his other friend Zophar accuses him some more. And then we get into chapter 19, in verse 25. Um, so all of these are kind of arguments back and forth. And every time one of these three friends comes back with an argument, it intensifies in terms of the accusation and gets more nasty. And they get madder and madder at him because he's saying, "I didn't do anything. I seriously did not." You know, I'm not hiding anything. I've, you know, been faithful to God. Um, In 18, wait, oh no, I'm sorry, 19, verse 25. I love this verse. He just shows Job's heart through all this. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and none other, how my heart yearns within me. You know, one of the things, too, that I love about this is because there is, in dark, dark times, you know, one of the things the Bible says that we have, because right now there isn't going to be, like, a satisfaction of all the bad things going away. But we have a hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. And that if there, there will be suffering for just and unjust people right now. But even in that, as bad as it gets, that one day, and that's what Job is saying, that he knows he's, you know, there's a day coming when, he doesn't know this part necessarily, but that Jesus Christ is coming back and will be raised from the dead. And then there will be no more death, there will be no sorrow, there will be no tears. In the darkest of times, we need the hope to know that there's something coming. I, I need it just reading the paper sometimes it's just going it is overwhelming i am i I just i'm look forward to the day that this is not going to go on forever but that there will be a new heaven and a new earth in that hope um let's go to 21 because they're all saying their arguments over and over again are just you know that if bad things are happening it must be because of job's sin and they just keep pushing his face in it and pushing his face and More people are also walking away from him because of the tragedy and thinking that he's sinful. So he's losing friends and he's alone in this. Even his own wife tells him, you need to just curse God and die. Just get this, walk away from God, Job. And in verse 21, in verse 7, Job comes back and says, it doesn't make sense. In verse 7, why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? You've seen that, right? There are wicked people that look like they're doing fine, aren't they? You know, Job's saying, you've seen that. It's kind of obvious. There's no place you can't look at that and see people doing bad things that they're getting by with it. And verse 14 and 15, it says, Yet they say to God, leave us alone. We have no desire to know your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? What should we gain by praying to him? So he's saying there are people that they're not praying and their life somehow on the surface it just looks like fine. It's fine. So he's saying their argument doesn't hold. And then in verse 23, verse 12 we see his heart again. It says Oh Oh yeah. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. is Job's still speaking like this. Like, in all of this, not only is he not leaving in terms of his prayer and seeking God, but, you know, he's not even saying, screw this, why have I been so good? Didn't get me anywhere. Do you know what? He could could just go to eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Why am I trying to please God? But Job is still saying that he just lives for the commands of God. You know, he says, "I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have not walked away. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. That he loves God's word more than food." Still, after all this, <coughs> um, I, which amazes me. I just it, it just it touches my heart actually to see his incredible love for God. And in spite of the fact that he didn't know what we have today in terms of Satan causing all this, there was no clarity about that. He was just confused in it. And then we have Elihu, a younger guy who's also a jerk and says some things and says he's just so wise and he's not so wise. Uh, and then we're going to go into chapter 38 where God speaks. So all this, we started off at the beginning. Job's doing well. And then Satan takes everything away from him. Job still doesn't walk away from God. And all of the arguments throughout Job are really his friends just attacking him, attacking him trying to talk him into the fact that he deserves what's coming, you know. Um, And then finally God speaks in chapter 38, verse 18. It says, um, I I just want to hit some of the things. The first part, actually, where God speaks in, if you look at this chapter, the things that God affirms is really interesting because he focuses on the fact that it's hard to understand God. And you can really understand, in particular, because of the fact that the whole story of Satan was not known, you can also understand that God's saying, what I'm about is hard to understand. It says right now that we see through a glass darkly. Even now, as much as we know, and we know about Satan, and we know about, you know, because Jesus Christ made that known, there's still so much we don't understand about God. God is God. And I think part of this is is just being in a place of acceptance of the limitations of what we can see. I really believe that as much as God talks about the spiritual battle and what happens with it, that we're still just seeing a piece of it. Does that make sense? You know, it's just sort of like, I think sometimes we try so much that we should really understand all of it, and it makes us a little crazy trying. I think if we have that expectation, there's got to be a part of it that's just sort of like, it's like an ant trying to explain a person, you know, in terms of to what end or or how far can we understand. I think, you know, when Christ comes back and we see the Lord face to face, it says, then we will know even as we're known, that in that time we'll see things more clearly. It says in... um, so he speaks and he talks about, God talks to him about how it's difficult to understand God. And he also, in these chapters of, thir, you know, uh, all throughout 38 and 39, um, it also speaks about God's goodness. And God reaffirms that his love, that he's a loving and good God. In verse 38 and verse 18, I'm just going to hit a couple of these. Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. <laughs> yes you know if you if you get it let me know and verse 41 says who provides food for the raven when it's young cry out to god and wander about for lack of food and then in verse in 39 verse 1 i love this one do you know when the mountain goats give birth do you watch when the doe bears her (laughs) fawn do you count the months till they bear do you know the time they give birth you know what this is saying is God does know. It's kind of interesting. It gives you a sense. It's another way. You know how there's a, there's a part of the scripture that says that the hairs of our head are numbered? It's saying that God is so aware that is understanding even of, um, you know, of knowing the mount, when the mountain goats give birth. Like, God knows. Like, do you, can you get a picture of that? Like, he's like, and a mountain goat, goat gives birth, I know about it. Isn't that funny? I I was amused. I guess you're not quite as amused as I am by that. I was just like, a mountain goat is giving birth. God's like, I know. Do you? (laughs) You keeping track of that? I am. Like, I I don't know. I I was, I got a big kick out of that one. (laughs) So it just sort of, you see this pattern where God's just trying to say that he's God. And that there are things that he sees that Job is not going to see. And then he also um, affirms his goodness and love. And then in verse 42, throughout all of that speech, and a lot, lot of beautiful poetic things in here. In verse 42, and I mean chapter 42 and verse one, it says, "Then job replied to the Lord, "I know that you can do all things. no plan of yours can be thwarted." You asked, "What is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know." You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will answer me. My ears heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it's, it's after all of this that Job, it's just interesting that in this, because God doesn't actually give an answer in Job. You can't really understand all of this. You can read, I don't, I, you can be whatever scholar you want and read this cover to cover, and there is not, he does not explain Satan in this. It is not till the coming of Jesus Christ that, that there is an understanding of Satan and his workings in the world and how it says that he is the father of death, that, the, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that he is our adversary, wandering about, seeking whom he may devour. There's so much de- detail on how the devil is responsible for all of the things that happen in the New Testament that they is not clear here in Job. But still, even with the fact that Job is not seeing the whole picture, Job says in the end of this, in the time of what God's revealed, is that he feels like he knows God and feels closer to God and gets that God cares about him and is present. I think too, if anything, it's kind of um, I haven't read this, but there's a verse of scripture in the in the beginning of Job. I actually I'm just going to read it right now. It says, Job would actually worry about his kids sinning in the beginning in Job one. It says, like, when his kids would feast, uh, it says, early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, his kids, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So Job also lived in the fear that he would do something wrong and, and God would curse him. So you see, there's a difference, too, between faith, you know, in terms of having a hard time trusting in God's goodness for us, which now we understand the promises of God and that we can pray and God will deliver. But he wasn't clear on that. If you think that God makes you sick for a reason, are you going to pray and ask him to deliver you? If you think that that's what God gave you, and that's where Job was coming from. Job's thinking this is God's will, and he's just confused by it. He lived in the fear of doing sacrifices in case his kids were screwing up so that God would curse them and do something. It's hard to have faith when you're not understanding that you can, you know, that you can go to God for answers. Um, Actually, I want to just close out in um, uh, where are we, 42. Then he speaks, uh, God speaks to his friends and he's pretty vocal about this in 42 verse 7 after the Lord had said these things to Job he said to Eliphaz the Temanite I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has so how interesting after all these like pages and pages of them trying to be holier than thou self righteous you know trying to be the big advice giver fixer people in his misery terrible friends and God says, I'm, he's mad. He's like, Job's the one that spoke well of me. What was Job saying about God? Job was speaking that, you know, he was saying it didn't make sense. He was saying, I also love, you know, what was really interesting to me? As I was thinking, I love that Job was really saying, looking at himself and going, no, I haven't done anything. You know, like, I i mean, which, honestly, I was thinking about that. I think I'd have a hard time. <laughs> I, I was looking, going, wow, I, I'd have a hard time if everybody was saying, you've sinned, you've sinned, you're bad, God hates you, and all the bad things would happen. Wouldn't you have, I, I don't know about you guys, I'd have a hard time going, did I do something? What, you know, is it really me? Does God really hate me? Or do you ever think that when bad things happen? Does God hate you or mad at you? Or You know, it's sometimes hard. But... Job, so Job was interesting because he stayed truthful about the fact that, he said I'm not perfect but he was walking, you know basically a righteous walk Um, and that he was staying faithful to God and that didn't make sense but he was saying God God was good and he was honoring and worshiping God, he was also taking his cares and his problems and his confusions if we're confused and angry you know what, best thing to do is bring it to the Lord in prayer and to seek him out just keep asking. And Job kept doing that. And then it says, um, so he was mad at them. And then it says in verse 8, so now take my seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. You've sinned. you got to give some sacrifice. It's like they're talking about Job sinning. He's like, you guys need to be doing some sacrifice. It says my servant Job will pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I will accept his prayer and deal with you according to and not deal with you according to your folly so it goes because because of his wonderful servant Job which I just think is amazing too I think it's amazing that Job was willing to pray for them I think it was also amazing that they heard it they heard the reproof and got it that they screwed up and they didn't argue because people argue with God it's not just because you heard from God that you're going yes sir there's lots of people that hear from God and go uh uh-uh. uh You know, so they were like, uh, gulp, you know, okay, ran and did the sacrifice, and Job prayed for them. So I love the willingness there to hear God in this, and it said, uh, so God says, I'm going to accept Job's prayer. I mean, imagine what that must have felt for them to hear that after all this accusation, for God to speak, you know, and to say, you're wrong, and, um, you know, got and I'm gonna have Job pray for you. It says, Um, You have not spoken of me what's right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, the uh Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the fight did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And then after that the Lord made him prosperous and we know the story, he got double of everything. So the message is in the book of Job, because I do think that there's even, either way, whether we're looking at it from right now and looking back, or whether it's the time of Job, we there's a lot of things here. For one, the big message is in times of trouble, not walking away from God. We need to get to the place that as much as we want to pull away in times of difficulty and trouble... That we just come to our knees and and ask God for help. That we take our hurts, our anger, our confusion, or whatever it is, and bring it to God. In that, we see God work. We see his hand. We see his love. We see his goodness. We don't want to walk away from that. In that, that's where there is deliverance. Because bad things happen. The devil is the God of this world as we know now from the New Testament and from all that Jesus revealed about Satan. And that he came to destroy the works of the devil. So we understand that. And we understand that it's not God's will for bad things to happen. There are times when there, there's a... Di- we need to clarify the difference of bad things that happen. There are bad things that happen that are sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. There are, There is that. But that doesn't mean that everything that you reap is just because you're sowing. There are things that happen just because the devil is the God of this age. But in that... In the New Testament, we have the clarity that God, it says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That's the New Testament. They didn't know that then. The God Almighty is greater, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We don't have a reason to be afraid of Satan because Jesus Christ is more powerful. We can go and get access to the Father through Jesus Christ and have power over Satan. We can tell demons, get out in the name of Jesus Christ and they've got to go. God has given us the power. We don't need to be cowed. We don't need to sit there and think if something happened that we're powerless and we can't go to God that it's because we screwed up or we've sinned when we haven't. God's desire is not for us to be in shame when we haven't done anything. It wasn't God's desire for Job to be in shame when he didn't do anything. You know, if we got to clean stuff up, And that's the con, and it is, you know. But that's that should be kind of apparent. You know, you lie, you cheat, and you get caught. Okay, that's that's a consequence of stuff that you've sown and reaped. But if there's just things that happen, like storms or sickness or things like that, that doesn't God does not want us stuck in shame, thinking we did something and God's mad at us. That's not the will of God god loves us he is a good god he's a powerful god and he wants to heal he has promised that we have the promises over and over and over through the word of god that he says that he wants us to come boldly it says to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy that's the will of god we have that understanding through the new testament we also see in the book of job his friends sucked you know This is not like when people are down, being the big answer, put a band-aid on it, fix a person is not what people need. Questioning people that they did something to bring it on or deserve it is not what people need. People need love and understanding and compassion and to just sit there and cry with them. So we see that in the book of Job as well. So let me pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are a God of love and of goodness. Help us in difficult times when we are feeling burdened like our burdens are so big that it feels like the sand of the sea that we're just weighed down by. To keep coming back to you. To know, to not let the devil talk us into the fact that you don't want what's good for us. Because that is the lie of the accuser. He is the accuser. Trying to make us feel ashamed When you, Jesus Christ, have paid the price. You have paid the price for our sin. You have washed us clean. That you have told us that we have no reason to be ashamed. That we can come before you. So help us to know that we know that we know. That you are good. And that you, Jesus, have paid the price. And that you want us to come boldly to your throne. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.